Hey guys, welcome to Thrive Bites, the official podcast of Dr. Colin Zhu, aka The Chef Doc. On every episode, I talk with health and wellness experts from all over the world, such as doctors, chefs, dietitians, coaches, and many more. And I sit down with them and have casual conversations about plant-based lifestyle, how to elevate our emotional resilience, and what it really means to thrive. And I bring all of this to you. So let's get to this week's episode. Okay, guys. Well, welcome to another episode of Thrive Bites. I'm your host, Colin Zhu, and thank you for listening in. Today, we have a wonderful guest uh, for you today. Um, her name is Heather Hammerstedt, and uh, Dr. Um, actually, um, uh, Heather Hammerstedt. And uh, a little bit about her, um, she's actually a double board certified emergency physician and lifestyle medicine physician. And she's the CEO of Holus, and uh, she uses her background in integrative nutrition, health coaching, and culinary medicine to be able to create this amazing coaching programs for women who are ready to get rid of their emotional eating and weight issues for the final time. So thank you, Heather, for coming on to the show. Thanks so much for having me. All right. So I'd love to start off by, uh, why don't you share a little bit about your story, about how you got to becoming a physician, you know, up until that point, and how did you get from physician to, you know, being the CEO of your company and doing what you do right yeah, now? Yeah, sure. So um, I, you know, I always wanted to serve people and always been interested in health. And I decided when I was really young that I wanted to be a doctor. I don't know why no one else in my family had been set on it. Um, I've been really, you know, lucky to travel and experience the world. And really when I decided to go to medical school, I had thought I wanted to go into family medicine and kind of have my hippie neighborhood food shop <laughs> attached <laughs> to my family medicine clinic. And when I was in, um, when I was in medical school, emergency medicine really sort of found me by surprise for that reason. Um, I love making an impact at the time that someone needs me the most and, you know, emergency medicine using quick thinking and procedures. And I really, um, really love it. Um, but I never really lost that other part of me. You know, I spent, I've spent over a decade working in emergency medicine, both in Uganda with a nonprofit that I run, as well as here in mm. Idaho. And um, I love it. Um, with my work with Global Emergency Care in Uganda, I've sort of worked myself out of a job because all of our graduates, our Ugandan graduates are now running our emergency medicine programs. And so I found myself like looking back and sort of yearning for that other part of me of, of like food and um, you know, using exercise and food and, and sleep and mindfulness and all these things that are so important that I think we're missing in our medical system. And so I decided to start Holist. Um, the company Holist is basically the name is a play on, um, you know, cardiologist, hospitalist, but kind of using the whole person uh, to figure out how mm -hmm. we can prevent and reverse disease. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. Um, I love the fact that, uh, you know, you took uh, snapshots of, uh, you know, different different time markers of your career and uh, put it to where you are. I'm curious to know, um, you know, what about it um, that led you to, you know, go into the route of more of the wellness um, issue? Are you still a emergency physician or are you completely fully immersed in your company Oh, I'm right still now? emergency medicine. I'm a nocturnist, as a matter of fact. So I work only nights. Mm. Um, I love it. I love emergency medicine. It's a part of me that I certainly will never leave. 
Um, you know, I think what, what really got me is, um, you know, three in the morning and you're constantly just seeing people with chronic disease and dying of things that they don't need to die of. Um, and 80% of our chronic diseases are preventable. The, the World Health Organization Global Burden of Disease says that the top 10 global killers are preventable. And I can make an impact in emergency medicine in two minutes. You know, believe me, all of my people get exercise and nutrition prescriptions for me. <laughs> I don't think anyone, mm-hmm. any other emergency doctors probably do that. But I wanted, um, I wanted bigger, right? And so I found lifestyle medicine. Um, I actually, 20, you know, 15 years ago, went to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition in New York for health coaching, mm-hmm. um, added on lifestyle medicine and culinary coaching with that over the last couple of years, and realizing that when you really dig in with people um, about, you know, their mindset around their food relationships and the when and the what and why they're eating, you can make a huge difference in terms of not just their waistline, but also how they're sleeping and how they're feeling and how their energy is and how, um, you know, how they just show up in the world, um, how they make decisions, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and hopefully, you know, prevention of that disease that I'm seeing in the middle of the night. So, yeah, definitely. And uh, a lot of people, um, for our audience members, uh, who may not know, um, some patients that actually come through. So I do family medicine and, you know, I've had snippets of, you know, emergency care and inpatient care over the years. But a lot of people don't know that some people who do not actually have access to healthcare um, sometimes or for most time actually use the emergency room as their primary care office. So, you know, from your perspective, you know, how do patients kind of take away your lifestyle prescriptions, even though it's in the format of like two minutes in a emergency type of uh, setting? Well, it's interesting because as you know, um, people aren't always ready to hear what they need to hear. Right. And so, um, you know, as a coach, um, and when I'm in my coaching role, I think of like holding space for people so that they're able to come into the realizations that they need to when they're ready. Right. As a physician, mm-hmm. you know, my physician role, we, we're often prescribing. Right. And we're um, we're telling people what to do. They're not always ready to hear that. When they come into the emergency department, they're often um, frightened by something, whether it's a real emergency or a perceived emergency. And you often have Mm -hmm. the opportunity then to get them when they're actually ready to hear something. And so my two minutes may be more impactful than 15 minutes in another setting when I'm able to say, hey, you know, that chest pain wasn't from a heart attack. It's from, you know, GERD or reflux or something like that. But I also saw, Mm -hmm. you know, that you have these risk factors and it could be next time if you don't do X, Y, or Z. Um, Additionally, Mm -hmm. you know, how many fatty livers do you see on a CT scan? And when someone's in there because they're, you know, worried that they have this severe abdominal pain, you find this incidental finding that is going to lead them into metabolic problems and diabetes and you know, heart disease later on, you have, you know, opportunity to get in there and say, Hey, so this is what we need to do with your food. This is what you need to do with your exercise. This is, you know, why it's so important. And people really do take it really well. And I often, I always give everyone my email address when they leave the emergency department, just in case they have questions. And uh, you'd be surprised Mm -hmm. by how many people write back and, you know, say that they've made some change. So it's really exciting. Yeah. So it gives you that, you know, that human touch point of like, Hey, you know, I really care, you know, about, you know, how you're doing, even though you're here in an emergency room. um, And even though you may not follow up with me and you have a, 
designated primary care, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, you're following up, you know, in some realm. So um, I'm glad that you do that. And I'm sure your patients feel that uh, they've been taken care of, um, you know, well. Hey, guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. Um, so my next question to you is that uh, you um, have wrote that you are a self-proclaimed a health curator. And I'm curious to know, you know, what is your definition of that? And how is that... Um, How's that integral, um, you know, in our current healthcare model? Because, you know, in the primary care setting, you know, we do, we deal with a lot with chronic disease burden, right? And, you know, most of the times it's, you know, patients come in with signs and symptoms of like high blood pressure, diabetes, things like that. So what is a health curator, you know, um, in that whole realm, um, in, in, in that concept of integrative care? So there's so much misinformation out there and people are just confused about what the real story is with a lot of topics, but particularly with health and wellness. And I'm sort of using my air quotes here (laughs) because Mm -hmm. wellness could really be anything. And sometimes I think can be a catch-all to bring a lot of people in who might harm people as well as help people. So um, I'm an emergency doc, right? So there's no BS with us. You kind of get what you get. Um, and I lifestyle work. Um, I have a unique perspective on how to disseminate for people. So I vet mm-hmm. experts and professionals to share with my clients. I vet services and products to share with them. I pull together teams to provide meaningful information and advice and services. So I do that in a public, um, Facebook group called Curate Your Health. I have my own podcast, Curate Your Health. Um, as well. Uh, but all throughout my weight wellness coaching programs, we have a team that's dedicated to each client, which is me. So a physician and coach, dietitian, life coach, meditation guide, hypnotherapist. Um, coming soon, we have a women's health expert and Ayurveda specialist and an energy guide because when it comes down to making sustainable long-term changes, um, you need to have a team around you. And it's not just as easy as what you eat. It's often, again, the why and the when, and the why is just so big. Um, because, and also because, you know, we're all better together. We all know something the other person doesn't. And a combination of our expertise really makes that amplified result because that sustainable prevention of disease, reversal of disease and weight wellness doesn't really, you know, come, um, from just, you know, what you're eating, it's rewiring your brain for new habits, subconscious Mm -hmm. thought patterns, you know, all of that. And I think really Mm -hmm. this kind of curation and team-based, um, kind of multidisciplinary approach is really an essential part of the healthcare model that I think we're missing. And a physician led mm-hmm. kind of true teams, you know, thinking of those Venn diagrams overlapping, you know, operating in mm-hmm. silos is not serving us as patients and it's not serving us as physicians or providers. Yeah, so I I definitely agree with you. I mean, you know, we are missing that uh, team approach of all these different types of um, experts who can actually contribute because it's not, you know, I feel that a lot of uh, a lot of the burden is shouldered um, upon the primary care physician. They have to not only diagnose and treat, but they have to make the referrals. They have to, you know, recommend this. And so 
sometimes, um, you know, it can be a little bit stressful and it could be, you know, a little bit overwhelming. Um, and if you don't actually have the right components in place, um, it would be a disservice for the patient, right. you know what I'm saying? And we end up actually doing, you know, most of the work when we don't necessarily need to. So I think, you know, your approach um, from what it sounds like, you know, um, is a great avenue to be able to address that, you know, because it's not just, you know, just a food, you know, we have to address, you know, many, many different pillars of health. And we have to reinforce that because lifestyle changes are important because they need to be sustainable. We're not looking for quick fixes, even though some patients perceive that, uh, you know, that's all there is, or that's all they need. Yeah, yeah, for sure. My next question to you is that, you know, having gone through, you know, the experience that you've gone through, what do you think are the biggest misconceptions um, in terms of how we perceive, you know, nutritional science, food and weight loss from your perspective? Because it sounds like, you know, you do dedicate a lot, you know, with eating um, for wellness and, um, and weight loss and not just for, you know, just for weight loss for aesthetic purposes. Right. I mean, what I always um, tell my clients is that this, what we're doing is we're choosing to fuel ourselves with whole foods, unprocessed foods that will help for, for long-term health prevention and reversal of disease with the side effect of weight wellness, <laughs> right? So that's kind of how mm -hmm. I'm approaching all of this is because it's the same thing that's going to help you with your waistline and get into those skinny jeans as it is, it's going to, you know, help you with your long-term health. And so it's a win-win. Um, there are a ton of, you know, misconceptions out there. First of all, I think um, there's not a lot of, there's not enough conversation about how food is fueling horm hormonal imbalances it within us. And that's from the misuse or the misunderstanding of food and how it's fueling us. And that's what's leading to obese obesity and disease. And so much of mm -hmm. this people are just constantly talking about like trends and fads. And I think missing the bigger picture of, you know, what, what food is doing to us. Um, additionally, you know, the, the, the why, what, and when of food can't really be taught in 15 minutes or in an hour or by like one provider or one physician. It sort of requires work on all three and like serious work. Um, you can, you know, go low carb for, you know, that's my air quotes again for two months and, th <laughs> and think it will like stick long-term, uh, you, that just doesn't work. Right. So you need to rewire your brain, mm -hmm. rework your life, relearn yourself, work to make sure your future is what you desire it to be. And people can do it. It's it. I've seen hundreds of people do it with us. Um, but it's not as easy as, you know, the, the 30 dry January or 30 days of whole 30 or something like that. So I think that's a big mm -hmm, misconception. Mm -hmm. Um, additionally, I, I do hear people still talking about the small frequent meal, um, trend, you know, that you need to be eating something mm -hmm, every couple mm -hmm. of year, a couple of hours. And, you know, metabolically, that just doesn't make sense with how our body metabolizes, stores energy, how it feeds back to our other systems in our body and this like complicated loop of communication. Um, so mm -hmm. I think it's important for us to understand that your body needs to take breaks from eating, even if you are eating healthy food. And this is going to go by far helping with hormonal resets and letting your body sort of figure out what it's naturally supposed to be doing. Um, while you work on the why and the mindset work for that sustainability. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, let's see, another misconception. Uh, well, again, I, I guess this is sort of more about the why, right? It's not just about the food. It's your brain and your heart that are sort of leading most people astray. Um, and people are buff buffering things 
um, the needs that their brain and their heart have um, with food. And sometimes Mm, that mm. people do that with alcohol or gambling or sex or any other sort of addiction, emotional eating is Mm -hmm. often an addiction. And we use the dopamine reward system with food the same way that others do with like cocaine and heroin and whatever else it is. Mm -hmm. And the definition of addiction is doing something over and over and over again that adversely affects your life, even though you know that it's doing it. And so you can apply that to the way that people use food as, as well. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people don't know that, but, you know, food is almost, you know, like a simple example would be soda, you know, and they've, you know, actually, you know, found through studies that it hits the same centers as, you know, like you said, um, you know, certain drugs and, um, and it's legal, you know, I think that's a scary, that's the scariest part. Um, And especially when we are giving soda um, at a very, very young age. Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. Why do you think um, people going deeper a little bit more into the emotional eating, you know, why do you feel that, you know, I mean, the eating part is the compulsion, right? Um, it's the action to be able to relieve anxiety or maybe depression, for example. Where do you find, um, you know, from your experience, people, uh, you know, original sources of, uh, you know, their lack is, you know, why do they turn to eating, for example? Well, I think that, you know, many of us when we're young, um, even, you know, have been given food as a reward for things, right? So, you know, I'm pretty sure my husband learned how to swim just because there was a donut shop next to the Y, right? (laughs) (laughs) Swim to the, swim to the Dunkin's. So, I mean, so if food is just, it's a comfort, it's a reward. It's the way that, you know, we celebrate um, holidays. It's the way that we celebrate weekends. It's the way that we have birthdays, right? Everything is around food. And so, um, we have this kind of comforting, positive feeling, um, when, uh, about the food itself, regardless of what it is. And so when you're, when mm-hmm. you're lacking that feeling in another way, whether that's because you're stressed out from work or stressed out from kids or whether you're suffering with, you know, real grief and loss, um, that is going to be something that is easy and right legal to fill that hole. Um, and so I think, you know, everybody comes at it in a different way, but I think we all started in the same place. Right. And so often when I'm talking to people about, you know, analyzing their hunger cues and what's really hunger and what's not, um, we're talking Mm -hmm. about trying to, revamp those social situations around either healthier food or around something other than food to kind of create those new feelings um, coming from someplace else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So do you, um, in terms of like the actual food, so you coach them, you counsel them, you know, with better, more positive, healthful uh, associations with food, do you thereby um, give them like meal plans or do you teach them how to, you know, cook uh, better for themselves as opposed to, you know, just straying away from the fast food joints and, you know, uh, you know, just a quick fix. Yeah. So it depends. So I, I have a couple different services. One is I do some lifestyle medicine, 
um, consults, like tele telehealth consults. And so that's like a one time, you know, dig into somebody, come up with a three month plan that that's a little bit different. The coaching program is a 12 week program where you come in and every day you get a podcast on weight science and nutrition and mindset around food relationships, um, documents, templates to work from, and you have um, as well, a personal coach that meets you on a weekly basis and monitors all of your food through a photo app. Um, so we're mm -hmm. not actually giving meal plans. I feel pretty strongly that like I shouldn't be telling someone exactly what they need to be eating each day at each time because it's that's again mm -hmm. not sustainable. What happens when the twelve weeks are over and I'm not like spoon feeding you your meals? Yeah. Um, and mm -hmm. so instead, it's looking at what are the foods that you like, what are the things that are giving you trouble, what is the uh, how can we unprocess your food. Um, to make it more um, more uh, whole foods and more plant-based um, so that you can um, start slowly every day changing one small thing about what you're doing. You win each day and you amplify off of each of those small wins. And so it's very dependent on everyone because it's like, you know, we all know diets don't work, right? They all fail at some point because you're going to go off of them at some point. Mm -hmm. And so what we're mm -hmm. trying to mm -hmm. do is within your own life, figuring out how you can create food that is serving you, that you're using it in a way that serves you, um, and that you can lose weight while you're doing it. And it's going to be different for everybody. Right, right. Because no, um, how they, you know, because I also went to INN as well. And it, one of the greatest mantras that Joshua spoken was, you know, there's no one diet that fits right. all, you know, you have to kind of really, really dig dig deep and, you know, hone into, you know, what that person is individually and be able to see what best serves them, like you said. Absolutely. So. Um, it's, it's, I do think, though, for almost everyone, unprocessing your food is key. And what I mean by that is um, basically the hormonal dysregulation issues that are related to obesity and disease are directly in proportion to the processing and refining in our food culture and food industry. So I mm -hmm. often say, you know, if you're not going to be vegan or vegetarian, <laughs> um, if it was grown or born, eat it. <laughs> right. right. Because <laughs> the data shows that clearly, you know, being plant-based long-term is where the success of prevention and reversal of disease is. Um, but, you know, and we got to meet people where they are, right? Um, and sure. so unprocessing, even just little bits at a time, um, really important. Don't shop in the middle of the grocery store, shop in the periphery of it. Yeah, that's exactly, you know, what I, uh, kind of relate to my patients as well. You know, if it's not grown out of the ground off of a vine or off of a tree, you know, minimize it as much as possible. And, you know, like you said, you know, kind of you know, kind of just stay away from the middle of the aisle because, you know, we have to, we have to add things to products to be able to be, you know, sustainable on shelf yep. life. Right. So, you know, mother nature intended us to be able to eat things in its whole and complexity. So, absolutely. so coming to a close, um, I love to learn about how, you know, my experts, um, and guests thrive. So, you know, what has made you thrive over the years and, you know, from that, can you share, you know, three tips that you can impart to our audience members right now so they can use it and apply it to their lives? Sure. Um, so for me, um, I thrive on family and community. So without my husband, kids, family, my community of friends that I've made throughout my life, I would not, you know, be who I am or have the inspiration or confidence to do what I do. So that's a really big one. 
Um, mm-hmm. Additionally, I thrive on seeing change that comes from my hard work. And so that's, you know, in emergency medicine, um, it's my work in Uganda, you know, watching the nurses we've trained become mid-levels and revising their healthcare system. Um, and it's with my holist clients, you know, not just losing eight to 10% body weight in 12 weeks, but crushing the why of how they want to live their lives and get their best self and show up in the world, kind of regardless what it is that they're striving for. Um, So really Mm -hmm. seeing that change come um, really helps me. And then I guess lastly, um, you know, I thrive by being in the mind and body that I've strived for. Um, You know, it's not often um, people think that you want to, you know, change the way that you eat or exercise, you know, to get into a body that other people look at. But for me, it's knowing that I'm fueling my body and my mind with what it deserves and what it needs. And then I'm moving my body in a way that will get me skiing and playing and running with my kids and building my health future. Um, And knowing that Mm -hmm. I have kind of those mind skills to rewire those thoughts to tackle, you know, the personal and professional things that I want. Okay. And so I think um, the first thing is, is working on your why and your mind first Um, everything changes in your mindset, not in the destination. So you change your mind, you change the steps of how you want to get to the destination, but the destination keeps where it is. Um, I think secondly, we talked about this already, really unprocessing your food is really, really Mm -hmm. going to be an essential part of your health future that you may not hear from your own doctor because a lot of us don't know these kind of things. We've never taught, we were never taught any of this stuff in medical school. So you're going to have to do some of this on your own. Um, And third, you got to be a planner. You got to take the time to create a plan each week that involves you and where you want to go with food and exercise and mindset and self-care. And I think it's really important that you make that plan as important and as visual on your calendar as you might do for work and you might do for your kids, because you always make a better decision ahead of time than you do in the moment. And you can't fill Mm. someone else's cup until yours is full. And so if Mm. you're not planning those things ahead of time to make you, you know, the person that you want to be and fuel yourself with what you want, you're going to take that work call or you're going to go to that soccer game and you're not going to do it. And so planning ahead of time to make that good decision, I think, is essential. Lovely, lovely. That is awesome. Um, well, thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate all your uh, tips um, and also your story and, um, you know, just pretty much everything that you have cultivated for yourself to be able to provide a great, um, you know, service to your clients, to your patients. Um, if uh, someone from the audience wants to reach out to you or look you up, what is the best way to uh, to find you? Well, you can always just email me at heather at holisthealth.com. That's W-H-O-L-I-S-T health.com. I also have a public Facebook group. Um, it's called Curate Your Health. And so you can join there. Um, I'm at Holist Health on Instagram and Facebook as well. Um, and my website is holisthealth.com. So you can reach out to me any of those ways. Okay. Well, thank you again for uh, being on the show. And, uh, you know, guys, this has been another episode of uh, Thrive Bites. If you enjoyed this, please like and subscribe and follow. And we will have a new episode every week. Thank you so much, Heather, for being on the show. Thank you. Hey, guys, that was another episode of Thrive Bites. If you like that episode, please subscribe and follow weekly for new episodes. And don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts.